Before we start this episode, I would like to tell you about the Give Program. The Give Program is a nonprofit company raising money for local personal trainers and gyms who have lost their income due to COVID-19. The Give Program sells boxes of meat that are delivered right to your doorstep to save you the time and hassle of going to the grocery store. They have various options such as the original box, land and sea box, poultry box, and my personal favorite, the grill box. If you're in the Long Island or greater New York area, check out thegiveprogram.org to purchase your box of delicious, high-quality protein now. Use code EATRIGHT15 to save 15%. Make sure to use all caps. That's E-A-T-R-I-T-E-15. Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking about elimination diets. Ladies and gentlemen, episode number 36 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, we're going to talk about elimination diets, what they are. We're going to talk a little bit about food sensitivities, which I know we've covered previously. We're going to talk about how to approach an elimination diet and what the three phases of an elimination diet are and what foods you should be looking to potentially remove and how to go about doing that when you're doing an elimination diet. So let's dive right into it. And Nicole, let's start by talking about what elimination diets are. Well, basically, they are eliminating foods that create uh, issues with your body in some capacity. Now, I love that you say with your body, because I think generally speaking, people tend to just associate food intolerance or food sensitivities with gut issues. Either Mm -hmm. I'm gassy, I'm bloated. I have acid reflux. I fart a lot. I burp, you know, (laughs) things that I mean, but that's, you know, that's the reality of it. And this is something that you and I talk to with clients is, you know, do you you fart a lot? Do you have indigestion? But I think we call it gas, Jerome. Gas. Yeah. Gas, fart. I mean, whatever. (laughs) So generally clients don't understand that if something presents at the gut, it may present somewhere else because it may be causing a inflammatory issue where if your gut is inflamed, you're going to have some kind of systemic inflammation and that's going to either appear on your skin or in your mood. You may suffer from depression. If you Mm -hmm. have some of these food issues, you may have acne, you may have eczema, you may have issues sleeping. There, there's Mm -hmm. a whole host of things. You might have migraines, you might have joint pain, right? So there are a whole host Mm -hmm. of things that when our bodies can't handle food, yes, it may start in the gut, but it may not always present in the gut. Right. Basically, an elimination diet is exactly what the name suggests. It's a diet where for a short period of time, you are eliminating certain foods. And the protocol that you're eliminating certain foods in that time frame is generally three weeks of eliminating foods. Mm-hmm. And that should be enough to have your symptoms subside. Now, yeah. what I will say is, and I've had plenty of times where I'll have clients and I'll say, you know, maybe you have a dairy issue and they'll be like, no, 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 it's not that I don't have that. And I'm like, well, how do you know if you ever removed dairy? Because I, I do think that there's to some level where 
individuals are consuming something that's affecting them, but that's the norm for them. And they basically feel like shit all the time and they don't know what it's like to feel better. So sometimes right. in some cases, when you remove these foods, you start feeling better and then you realize how you were supposed to feel basically forever. Basically, what happens a lot of the time is when we're doing nutrition coaching, this is why it's so important to have a coach. We almost stumble upon it sometimes in coaching. So when you're doing kind of a food recall or you're just talking about their, how they sleep and how they're feeling after they eat meals um, from a digestive standpoint, we stumble upon some of these symptoms. And then the coach, we tend to put those pieces together and dig deeper with other questions that pertain to symptoms that may be an intolerance or sensitivity type situation. And we start digging deeper. Yeah. And in some cases you might not need an elimination diet or you might need an elimination diet. It really depends what you're experiencing. Yeah. I like the um, food journal. A lot of the times if I suspect there might be sensitivities or some type of issue, I'll have them fill out what they ate and how they felt an hour later, two hours later. And then you can kind of start to piece together different symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. So the elimination diet is the gold standard for identifying any type of food intolerance or food sensitivities. Yeah. Food sensitivity testing is not the gold standard. Unfortunately, there are some issues with some of the testing. And there are some things that you may not find in a food sensitivity test that you might otherwise find in a elimination diet. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the, the sensitivity tests like Everly Well is kind of a popular one. A lot of my clients will ask me what I think of that. And I think it's important to keep in mind that it's just a snapshot of one moment of what your gut may look like in terms of sensitivity of foods, you know, so that wouldn't tell the whole story, I guess, as to what happens within three weeks, a month, two months of tracking kind of your symptoms. So I think that can be um, kind of hit or miss. I also have done food sensitivity tests. And what I found during the time when I had a food sensitivity test is whatever foods I was eating frequently, like eggs, for example, came back as sensitive. But then when I did an elimination diet and I took eggs out and then I put them back in, I didn't have a problem with them. So I just think, you know, I mean, listen, like I said, it, the, it can be wishy washy. The gold standard is the elimination diet. And typically you'll find something that is affecting you in some way, shape or form through doing an elimination strategy. Yeah. Which is why we're doing this today, because what happens is the minute you take it out, any symptoms that you may have, you'll know, honestly, within those three weeks, you'll start to feel better or you won't notice it. And then you'll right. feel you know worse when you reintroduce it. Now, and yeah. that's part of the strategy. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about what food sensitivities are. Food sensitivities, essentially, they occur when the gut reacts poorly to specific foods or ingredients in the foods that you're eating. This reaction can unfold in of various different ways, one of them being indigestion. I'll start there. The digestive tract fails to properly break down certain foods. For example, when you consume dairy products that contain lactose, which is milk sugar, some people's intestines don't produce the lactase enzyme, so they can't digest or break down the lactose molecule into its simplest form, which would be glucose and galactose. They might present with gas, bloating, and diarrhea, or when you're consuming those same foods, certain foods may irritate your gut and lead to symptoms throughout the body. For example, you're drinking red wine that contains amines, which expand your blood vessels and may trigger migraines. 
Yeah, it's a big one for females. Or I'll give a perfect example for me. Peanuts. When I have Mm -hmm. peanuts or peanut butter, I've realized that I developed this later on in life. It doesn't so much affect my gut, but it affects my nasal cavity or my sinuses. Mucus. Not even that. It's my nose. My nose gets stuffy. Yeah. So I get inflamed. Yeah. That's an example of some inflammation that's starting in the gut, but is presenting itself elsewhere. Yeah. I have had people with peanut allergies that have racing heart. That's literally the main heart palpitations. Yeah. Like, but like where you think, oh my God, this is the end type of palpitations, not like a little flutter. (laughs) Like they're about (laughs) to die. Seriously. If you've ever experienced it, it is awful. I've had those from stress. And then now it's, you need to, and that's where I started meditating. <laughs> gotcha. That's, that's when I went to the doctor, Dr. Yeah. Applebaum that we had on yeah. the show. And, like, Dude. <laughs> and he was like, don't let your job kill you. Don't let your stress kill you. <laughs> you know, there, there are these different things. And if you feel like that sounds familiar to you and maybe mm-hmm. you're eating something and your nose gets stuffy, or maybe you're eating something and you constantly have eczema or Maybe you have psoriasis, which is inflammatory, and it's worsened by some foods that you're eating. Or maybe you have really bad acne and you're like, what the fuck? I'm an adult. This shouldn't be happening. (laughs) It could be from the foods that you're eating. Yeah. It could be a hormonal issue or it could be from the foods that you're eating. And generally speaking, a gut issue. Well, what I find with clients oftentimes is that their skin looks, this is where like you start eating better, your skin looks better, probably because you're removing a lot of refined processed added sugars, a lot of these, uh, you know, preservatives that you're eating in your foods, mm-hmm. a lot of the foods that you're intolerant to. And then you just equate that to a healthy diet when in reality, it's that you've removed things that were irritating your gut. Yeah. Well, increasing water also is a nice balance there too. Well, yeah. Increasing water also helps your, always helps your skin look vibrant and hydrated and you know, Mm -hmm. that will present there as well. So basically that's food sensitivities in a nutshell. And let's talk about an elimination diet, what it is and and how we would approach it. So yeah. So the three steps, we would approach an elimination diet in three different phases. Phase one of an elimination diet is the prep phase. It's about seven days long Phase two is about three weeks in duration. It's the elimination phase. And phase three is the period following the elimination phase, which is the reintroduction phase. Phase one is prep. And this is where you're going to want to break out a food journal, whether it be on MyFitnessPal or any other app or just handwritten. And you want to include very specific things in this seven-day food journal. So this is before you're even thinking about eliminating any foods, you are writing a seven-day food log. And essentially, it's kind of like a food and feelings journal. Right. Like I mentioned before. Yeah, exactly. So what you're going to want to put in is the time of day that you're eating, what you ate and or drank, what type of oil you used, how how the spices, the seasonings that you used in your foods, any type of sweeteners that you used in your coffee. Did you have Mm -hmm. coffee? Did you put sugar in your coffee? Did you put artificial sweeteners? Did you use stevia? Like everything that you want a detailed food journal here. You're also going to want to include lifestyle factors that can affect digestion. So how much sleep did you get? How was your quality of sleep? How did you feel when you woke up in the morning? What's your stress level for the day? Were the kids running around driving you crazy? Did you exercise, right? How you how were intense eating, was the exercise? How you yeah. were eating is important as well. 
because yeah. you want to be able to gauge, well, was I scarfing down food driving in the my car. cell phone, scrolling, scrolling <laughs> through Instagram? Was I driving in the car? Was I paying attention? Was I mindfully eating and just focused mm-hmm. on the meal that I was eating? You want to start to notice some physical and mental symptoms. So essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to tie the way that you're feeling to the foods that you eat within that time frame, Nicole, like you mentioned before. Yeah. I also will have clients um, take a highlighter and highlight some of the triggers. I know we're going to get to some of the most popular things that we eliminate. And so like dairy, for example, alcohol, caffeine, sugar, sugar, alcohol, any of those. If um, once they journal everything on a piece of paper or wherever it is, I like paper, I'll have them highlight all of the ones, all of the things that we suspect may be the issue. And so we can go through those. And then we know when we talk about what we're actually eliminating, you can start to see the pattern of color. Like, so if dairy's yellow and they have yellow all over a week of journaling, then that might be the first thing that we pick to eliminate. Yeah. So some additional simple tasks that you can do during this phase, eat slowly, eat Mm -hmm. mindfully, eat until you're satiated. Don't try not to overeat during that week. Make sure you're hydrated. And like I always say, roughly about half your body weight in ounces per day is Mm -hmm. a general recommendation. Uh, Reduce processed foods and refined sugar. And then also reduce caffeine intake because caffeine is a central nervous system stimulator. Because you have so many nerves connected to your gut, that might cause some symptoms as well. So what I'll say is try to eliminate caffeine. But if you're somebody who drinks a ton of coffee throughout the day, let's say you have four cups of coffee a day, maybe try to drop it down to two. And that might be a little bit better for you in terms of gauging what symptoms you're having. After that, you'll get into once you've completed that seven day journal Mm -hmm. and you've monitored and you've checked and you've looked at your symptoms, you're going to have a list that you've basically compiled Mm -hmm. of foods that you think might affect you. And I'll give you the list of the most common foods to be eliminated. Gluten, dairy, soy, peanuts, corn, refined sugar, and eggs. Yeah, I always add alcohol to that too, but. Alcohol may also be something that I know it's want to eliminate, um, especially if you're somebody who suffers from migraines. Mm-hmm. that might be something that you or headaches or whatever that yeah. might be something that you want to eliminate as well no one wants to think they're sensitive to wine <laughs> but it well, does happen <laughs> especially the ladies the ladies or beer for the guys which is kind of yeah or liquor or yeah you know anything whatever. but i think wine in particular is bothersome yeah all right so what i will say about this phase is during the elimination phase you want to make sure that you're prepared going into it So you're going to have to do some planning. What I'd want you to do in that phase is create a grocery shopping list, including the foods that you're not eliminating and the foods that you're still going to include during this phase. Right. Make sure that you're shopping the perimeter of the grocery store, which you probably should be doing anyway, because that's where the whole foods are found. Mm -hmm. Minus the dairy, if dairy is something that you're eliminating and the Mm -hmm. eggs, right? That's in the perimeter. If that's something that you're eliminating too, then, you know, we'll pull that out. And you want to continue to keep a food journal during this phase. Yeah. And I always warn clients 
from a workout standpoint, they may, it, it's really interesting. Some people will start an elimination diet and feel worse and then they start to get better. Some people feel great right away. So I always also warn them from an exercise standpoint that they may feel a little sluggish and tired the first few days. So to be aware of their exercise intensity, um, just be good to themselves. And if they need, if they feel like they want to sleep more, sleep more, they feel like they feel better and want to exercise more then they can exercise more. That's really dependent on the person, but I've had experience with both of those. Now you can remove a bunch of foods at one. Like I've done it a few, a few different ways mm-hmm. where oh, client, like an all at once. Well, we're so in some cases, clients are like, I've got to remove it once at a time, like one, one food at a time because yeah, it's, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. The, what I will say about that is it's going to prolong the process of the elimination. Diet. Yeah, of course. But they but, they usually for that if they know that's the case. But like if you get someone that doesn't normally eat dairy or doesn't drink caffeine or alcohol, it kind of eliminates the need to eliminate those foods so it can be easier. But that's why I do the highlighter because a lot of the times you literally can see it in a seven day journal if there's like something that's pretty popular and they wouldn't even see that unless they take the time to really isolate those. Well, so, that that's the thing too is foods that are most commonly eaten throughout right. the week throughout that week. You'll look at those and you'll say, okay, we're going to try to remove that as well on top of these most common foods that should be Mm -hmm. eliminated that are typically irritants for people. uh, We want to look at foods that you're generally eating frequently. Right. And we want to say, okay, are are those some of the foods that we want to take out too? Yeah. And just talking about creating diverse, creating diversification of the types of foods they're eating. So if you do get someone that eats the same thing for breakfast every day, I mean, that's another whole part of coaching, but that helps too. I eat the same foods for breakfast every day. I have a couple that I put in like rotation. So they are the same, like three basic meals, but I have like quarterly. Um, I try and mix them up. I have like quarterly changes where like, I'll eat, like one, th- I'll eat one thing for three get months bored. and then I'll be like, I got to switch it up. But lately yeah. it's been because I wake up so early. It's yeah. a shake, mm-hmm. blend some oats, banana, almond butter. Yeah. Protein powder, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I get, yeah, I get it. I kind of have the shake. I have a, like a, a breakfast sandwich that I make at home or just eggs and vegetables. So I'll mix it up depending on what my schedule is like. But I get bored eating the same things all the time, except tuna and green beans. <laughs> Which is weird to me, but. Oh, right. so good. Whatever. Anyway. All right. So do we want to get into the next phase? Yes. The next phase is the reintroduction phase. So basically you've done at this point, you should have already done a seven-day log of what you typically do. Then you follow that up with another 21 days of eliminating the foods that either you eat frequently or from the list of the most common foods that you'd want to eliminate that may be bothering you based on that food journal, which are gluten, dairy, soy, peanuts, corn, refined sugar, and eggs, potentially caffeine and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now you're in the reintroduction phase. So the reintroduction phase You want to one by one, you don't just want to go all in with all these foods because then you're not going to know which one is affecting you. Basically, what you want to do in the reintroduction phase is as you reintroduce foods, you'll want to continue with that food and feelings journal to track your sleep, your mood, your energy, your pain level, whether it be joint pain or somewhere else, your mental clarity. If you've got brain fog, your digestion, your bowel habits, have those changed? Are you going more frequently? Are you going less frequently? Is Mm -hmm. your stool harder? Is your stool softer? Is it, you know, little pellets? Is it, you know, you want to look at all of the different 
aspects of your body and whether or not they're changing, you want to look at your skin quality, right? If you were breaking out and then you eliminated foods for three weeks, your skin started clearing up and then you start breaking out again, you that's something that you want to know. Or yeah. has eczema returned or you know any of these kind of inflammatory things that could be going on inside of your body. So any data that may seem relevant, you want to take note of that. Are you having trouble sleeping, joint pain or inflammation? Do you have headaches? Any GI pain? Are you bloated, gassy? All of those things are things that you want to look at and assess, like where are these things coming from? And this is where you want to introduce foods one at a time. So in your reintroduction, you want to work on a three-day cycle. So day one, you're going to reintroduce one food. So for example, let's say it's eggs. So you're going to want to reintroduce eggs in the morning for breakfast and then maybe sometime in the afternoon. You want to reintroduce it twice within that day or at different times of the day. Days two and three, you're not going to eat that food. So if you've introduced eggs on day one, you'll stop eating eggs for days two and three, and you're going to see whether or not you have symptoms. Yeah. And day four and beyond is going to be dependent on what happens on days two and three. So if symptoms come back in any way, shape or form on days two and three, you have to take that food back out. So in the example that we're using is eggs, you're going to have to remove eggs probably for three days to a week or just gauge it based off of your symptoms. So mm -hmm. if your symptoms subside, then you can start again with the next food, but you don't want to do that until those symptoms have gone away. Right. You want to completely heal from the egg triggering a response before you put another. Yeah. And basically you're just going to follow that same three day cycle for every food. Now, if a food's mm -hmm. not bothering you, you, you don't have to wait past the three days. Uh, but only if a food is bothering you, you want to wait for those symptoms to uh, yeah. reduce or subside. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I will say, and this is something that might affect your process and how you're feeling because you're eating minimally processed foods and you're eating more whole foods, you might be consuming more fiber. So if you're introducing a whole lot of fiber all at once, that might affect how you feel. So you may have to give it additional time for your body to adjust and adapt to the fiber intake that you're getting in. Yeah. What I'll say about reintroducing foods is you don't want to reintroduce foods that let's say, for example, you've taken out gluten, but then or corn, I'll use a uh, corn as an example. Let's say, for example, you've taken out corn and then you reintroduce it in the form of frosted flakes. <laughs> now, frosted flakes are, yes, made of corn, but they're also very high in sugar. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to know whether or not you're being affected by that high sugar intake or if you're being affected by the corn. Mm -hmm. So try and choose minimally processed foods that you can reintroduce, like eat it in its whole form. Yeah, yeah. The reintroduction phase should take you about three to four weeks. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at if you're doing an elimination strategy, you're looking at roughly a two month commitment. And what I will say is typically that's difficult for people. For yeah. some people, it is. For some people, they're ready to dive right in. And that's why I'm okay with people slowly removing foods one at a time mm -hmm. because sometimes they can't do it all at once and they can't commit to doing it and trying yeah. this out for a two-month period. But like I always say, it's two months for the rest of your life. If you find yeah. a food that's affecting you and you can remove that from your diet and feel a lot better forever, then it's a small sacrifice. Right. Well, then you have to come to terms with whatever it is that may have created some issues or made you not feel well 
and deciding whether or not you actually want to continue to keep that out of your food plan or if you need to be referred out because there's a piece here called the rebuild phase, which is the gut piece or digging deeper into why the gut is getting upset by some of these foods that you may want to look into a little bit more. And so. there's there's also another piece that if those common foods that you eat or the common foods on that list that we mentioned yeah. aren't what's doing it, there is a potential that you might need a FODMAP strategy, which is another form of, of elimination diet. Uh, you're eliminating certain types of fibers that are getting fermented in the gut and causing a gas buildup that yeah. causes discomfort for you. So you've identified the foods like we talked about, and mm -hmm. you've got to decide what to do moving forward. And listen, I'll be honest, there are foods that I don't generally have, but I still have them once in a while. I'm not going to eat them on a daily basis. I won't have dairy on a daily basis. And right. the other thing that I say about dairy is it oftentimes depends on the type of dairy. I won't touch ice cream ever. I haven't had ice cream in God knows how long because that affects <laughs> me. I won't do milk. I'll do I switch to almond milk, but I will sometimes do a little bit of butter on my toast or mm -hmm. I will do certain types of cheeses because cheese, the way that it's manufactured, a lot of the milk sugars or lactose actually convert into acids when you're in the process of making cheese, mm -hmm. especially some of those sharper cheeses like cheddar, like a sharp cheddar cheese. Mm -hmm. So you end up with something with a product that is more acidic and less sugar in it yeah. because those sugars have converted into acids. Therefore, you have far less lactose, if any, in that product. So you might, if you're not okay with dairy, like milk and ice cream, and yeah. cottage cheese or things of that sort, mm -hmm. you might still be okay with cheese. And sometimes I tell people when they eliminate dairy, maybe the first thing you want to introduce is cheese and then introduce more of those yeah. uh, quote unquote sugary, natural sugars, right? The mm -hmm. milk and the cottage cheese and things of that sort. And even in some cases, yogurt might be okay because you have the bacteria in the yogurt, which could break down some of the milk sugar. Yes, there you go. So that is an elimination diet in a nutshell. What I will say about elimination diets, there are resources out there where you can try and do it on your own. I do recommend doing it with some help and some guidance. Yes. Yeah. See, I don't think you should be doing it on your own. I'm going to be very clear in my. It depends. It depends on the individual. I mean, listen, mm -mm. I I'm I'm somebody that learns a ton from even in, even not in my field. Right. But yeah. I learn a ton from researching on the Internet and and I'm make sure that I'm well informed. And I have clients that, that have these types of personalities, these yeah, kind yeah. of type a personalities where they can find the resources, they can figure out how to do it on their own. I mean, listen, you and I have had clients that have uh, I'll use the ketogenic diet as a as an example here that mm -hmm. have tried a ketogenic diet on their own, did it incorrectly and mm -hmm. needed the guidance. And then the other clients, you, we know these clients very well that can figure it out on their own. And then if they have any questions, they'll ask, but they can find the right resources. They know how to find good quality information. Yeah. I also think they're committed to it, which is the bigger piece to this. My thing isn't necessarily do they know how and I mean, you can go on the internet and look anything up nowadays. I think more of in terms of accountability and strategy. And sometimes you need an outside perspective to help you see things from a strategy standpoint and then an accountability standpoint, like checking in to see how they feel and what's going on. If you have brain fog and you're fatigued and you're feeling like crap during an elimination diet, it's hard to keep going. You want to just be like, forget it. I'll, I'll just keep eating the foods. It's not that big of a deal. Or like you said at the beginning, they don't even know that it's happening. 
Yeah. And the other piece that I will say is, you know, sometimes it takes a coach to review your food journal with you and look at it and say, Hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but there was soy in that food that you ate. Exactly. Exactly. That goes right right back to the whole piece of just someone else there to help. Yeah. It's always great to have somebody hold your hand. So with that being said, if you think that you might be experiencing any type of issues with food, reach Mm -hmm. out to us, send us a DM on Instagram and Should I end right here? Sure. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.